This is Work of the Beat. It is Wednesday, May 19th, 2021. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Got a good show on tap for you this week. Rhea Hughes from 94WIP will join us uh, from the morning show. We'll talk a little bit about everything going on. Uh, the Eagles with uh, minicamp now uh, collapsed down. Instead of the mandatories, they're going to basically just do um, just the one minicamp, and that'll be it before Nick Cervani hits the training camp in July. So we'll talk to Rhea about that a little bit. We'll talk to her about Kind of the state of the industry. We'll talk Phillies. We'll talk just about everything because Rhea can talk everything. And um, we'll talk to Rhea in a few minutes Then uh, with Mike joining us in on that conversation. Uh, and then later, Mike and I will talk about uh, the Phillies. Obviously, they won last evening, a pretty good comeback, but the injury bug is mounting, and there's a lot of um, a, a lot of hammering over uh, what is going on with this team. Uh, namely, you know, Joe Girardi seems to be under fire uh, for what is going on. And the way he handled things, obviously, on Sunday was, uh, you know, and it wasn't just him. It was Dave Dombrowski as well. I mean, you know, the, the, the you have nobody healthy on the bench. I don't know what a manager is supposed to do, but uh, there's a lot of criticism there. Uh, and Mike and I will touch on that. We'll also remember one of the great anniversaries in the history of Philadelphia sports, uh, and we'll bring that back and talk about that's important. I, I think that as the years have gone on, the, this event has lost some of the luster on what it meant for the city as a whole. Um, and so it is, I think, a good time to kind of remind you of what happened. We'll also talk, obviously, Sixers. Sixers will begin the playoffs on Sunday, um, either against the Indiana Pacers or the Washington Wizards. Uh, they will play the playing game of this phony baloney uh, playing tournament, um, you know, which started last night. The Celtics are in. They will play Brooklyn. Uh, some of the series in the East actually have the possibility of being re- – the three other series in the East have a possibility of being really good. Um, and, and I know you're going to say, well, the Celtics are, you know, the Celtics are injury plague and all that. But they, they can – I think the wild card in that is whether the Nets are fully ready to go. Um so maybe they can get stretched to six. Who knows? And Milwaukee and Miami is obviously the marquee one. And the Sixers, if they don't get to the East Final, they have nobody to blame but themselves. Nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody. So um, a lot of things going on right now. But when we come back, Rhea Hughes from 94WIP will join us to discuss a little bit of everything in Philadelphia sports and how she ropes, how she gets all these guests to appear on the morning show. She's kind of the booker, if you will. She has all the contacts to get people on with Angelo in the morning. So we'll talk to her about that. That's next. Work of the Beat continues right after this. And joining us now, uh, one of the main voices uh, in the Philadelphia sports landscape. You hear her every morning with Angela Cataldi, Al Morgani, 
sometimes with Keith Jones, sometimes with Billy King, somebody, you know, Ava Graham's always there. And uh, Mitch Williams. Mitch, Mitch Williams. Yeah, don't forget Mitchie Poo. Is there anybody else I forgot? You have like a, a thousand co hosts. It's like a cast that never ends. Um, exactly. But uh, she's there every morning. She is actually the person who sets up every interview Angelo has. So we should say she knows everybody. She's a. She's a human Rolodex yes. of, those, uh, of Philadelphia sports. Nope. Hey, Kevin, nobody knows what a Rolodex is anymore, Bob. Uh, uh, I know, uh, uh, I know. My contact <laughs> list is very impressive. How about that? That's right. Uh, joining us from 94 WIP, it's Rhea Hughes. Rhea, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Nice to talk to you guys. We're, 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 getting, hey, we're breaking nice out of quarantine, anybody, so yeah. <laughs> At this rate, we're breaking out quarantine, so everybody's doing pretty good. Uh, so. Awesome. I know. I'm very excited. I, I guess the first question, and I asked this of Angelo when he was on a couple months ago. I ask you, how different has it been um, in the – kind of – do you feel like you're back to normal now with sports on full display, people coming back, I guess, into the studio, not as much remote work, and, and – you have a lot more to talk about, obviously, than you did this time last year. Well, yeah. I mean, we never, we always went into studio. So okay. it was, we were lucky in that respect. There was a bunch of hosts on air who didn't, um, but we managed to do it without anybody. I mean, we, we also became hermits, um, but, uh, you know, we managed to, you know, knock wood uh, and now we're all vaccinated, which is fantastic. Um, but we came in every day. And I think for me, that was a godsend. I mean, there would be times usually when I leave and I'm pulling out of the parking lot or pulling off the street, I, you know, I'm, I'm out in two seconds. There would be times I would just make phone calls from my car because I go, I don't really want to go home because <laughs> I'll be there the rest of the day. So, right. um, so going into work every day, going into the studio was for me, like mentally, it was, a, it was really a big benefit to see, you know, I mean, listen, they're my, they're my other family. I was, I, I had to do some work with my HR thing. I think it was when I was, I had to do my, um, uh, what's it called? Put my vacation in. Right. And I looked and I realized that, uh, in August I will be 25 years on the morning show. Um, and I went, you know, these are like my other family. So, um, so, you know, it was great to be able to see them every day. Maybe not Angelo so much, maybe not yet, but I mean, <laughs> I love just being able to see people and talk to them. Yeah. Go ahead, so that Mike. was, that was a big deal. Okay, Mike. Yeah, Rhea, I'm just wondering, 25 years, I remember, now I was 38 at the Daily News, and we did the Daily News live show, I think was like 14, whatever, and Eddie Barkowitz made the remark to me once when, when it was coming to an end, hey, we've been on longer than MASH. That's pretty cool. <laughs> but you guys, 25 years in a profession where a lot changes, yeah. and you guys have become, and I know it's a lot, Angelo, but it's all of you, yeah. you've become an institution. Do you ever reflect on any of that, especially since the end is probably closer than the beginning? But do you ever sit back and say, my God, quarter century? I didn't realize it, Mike. I swear to God. Like I knew I'm like, I always say, well, I've been there over 20 years and I started when I was 10. But um, but until <laughs> I actually saw it, you know, listed there, I went, wow. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you do sometimes. But I mean, it's such a, you know, every day, like you know, I get done the show and I, you know, and I think I've probably remarked this Kevin to you probably before, you know, for me, I always, I'm already thinking about the next day's show when we hit around nine right. o'clock. Cause I'm already thinking, all right, what guest? Because I could get Angelo, you know, at the time I said it, these people, I think we're all alive. Um, you know, I could get them Bush, 
uh, Margaret Thatcher, Mother Teresa. And as soon as the show was done, they're like, all right, what do you got for me tomorrow? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so for me, it's like a constant, um, you know, always working towards the next day and trying to do better and all that kind and of you stuff. Guys really, you guys really are so fresh. I mean, you really do. Like the next day, every day could be different with you guys. Depending on if like a Dubal Abreu does something stupid tonight, sure. or the Eagles <laughs> are going to trade. Yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, yeah. it's never it never gets stale, or at least it seems to me that it never does. It never. That's one of the things I love about it because uh, things change. Like I could have a you know, I had a whole show booked. It was I think Roy Halladay's opening day with the Phillies, and ten o'clock at night on Easter Sunday, the Eagles traded Donovan McNabb to Washington. And yeah. I yeah to Washington. I was falling off to sleep and I heard a ding on my phone and I went, should I check it? And thank God I did. Um, <laughs> and I had, I, I remember Jack McCaffrey was one of the people I had to cancel. Um, but I, I had to change the whole show up because, you know, we can't, couldn't put all baseball people on the day after they trade, you know, the, the guy who had been the franchise quarterback. So I do love that. It's, it's stressful sometimes when I go six, seven o'clock, I'm like, Angelo's asleep. I can chill. And then something happens. I'm like, <sighs> All right, here we go. Get on the phone. <laughs> well, and one thing you have to do is you sometimes have to book guests who are, I don't want to say hostile, but I mean, mm -hmm. th 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 there's friction sometimes. And, sure, and, and, you sure. Know, we, we talked about the Kapler thing. And, and yeah. you know, you know, you communicate with the Eagles and they're not always, you hey, know. Doug Peterson used to come on every week. Well, yeah. Doug, but, Doug did. And, you know, we were, he was sometimes feisty. I will give him that. Uh, but at, listen, Chip Kelly came on right. every every Monday or after every game. Howie, listen, we've probably crushed Howie more than anybody else ever. Whenever you know, and he doesn't do it a lot, but when we request him, and I don't request him a lot because I kind of know what the rules are. When he's going to talk, he's right. going to talk after the draft. He's going to you know talk after the season. Um, and I will say, actually, the last time Howie was on, although we got killed for you know, I thought it was the best interview he's ever done with us because we weren't fed a lot of gobbledygook. Well, but, and that was, I felt like it was a first for Howie, but how much of your role is playing peacemaker sometimes between organizations? <laughs> and, and, and I mean, because she, you she guys, Switzerland. Well, yeah. <laughs> Well, but the pro the thing how is, how often do I have to call people and apologize after the interview? <laughs> well, kind of that, but I mean, in a sense of even preemptively of look, you know, you're, you're going to get a fair shake here. You know, well, no, we have, we have a we have a very uh, simple rule, and and I try, and this is why sometimes people get mad. Like we'll yell about Howie, you know, for months on end, and then Howie comes on, and we're respectful. We have a very simple rule: when you are an invited guest on, you know what you know what the topics are. Like we've been told by teams, he's not going to answer that question. And what I always say back to them is, we are going to ask it because we have to ask it. They can their their comment that I'm not going to answer that is the comment but we can't not ask it. So I always make that, uh, you know, whenever there's an issue, you know, and, and I get said to it from a PR person, you can't ask that question. I said, no, we have to ask it. Whether he chooses to answer it or not, that's the answer. So, you know, I always make that very clear, but we have a very simple rule. We are not antagonistic. If sometimes interviews get antagonistic, um, but we try to be respectful when people agree to come on. Now, there have been two situations in the 25 years I've been there. That was going to be my next question. It, <laughs> I know there were, ex there were exactly two because they weren't, um, they weren't scheduled. Um, and well, no, the one was scheduled, but he got antagonistic. The other one was unscheduled. The first one was Larry Brown. So Larry Brown's the coach and we weren't even killing him. We were killing John Calipari. <laughs> so I, I, I think that. they, 
yeah, they had signed him to be an assistant coach, I guess, maybe when he got let go from the Nets. If, right. I mean, it's so yeah. long ago. Right. So we're killing it on the air because, listen, I, you know, was never, although I, I've come around a little bit on Calipari, but I, I was never a fan because from UMass and I'm a temple, sure. you know, person. I always, you know, John Chaney. So I, so we're just, we're killing him. Larry gets the hotline number and calls up and just starts screaming at Andrew. And they're, they're going back and forth at each other. And at the end of it, Angelo goes, well, why don't you just come in and bring John in? And we'll, this is why Angelo could be brilliant. He could be yelling and screaming at you. And then he does a 180. He goes, why don't you just come in and we'll hash this out in person? And Larry goes, all right. And no lie, less than a couple days later, John Calipari and Larry Brown come in studio. And they sit down and they're, you know, I'm sure John's waiting for, for the ugliness or Larry's waiting for it. And Angelo looks at him and goes, you two have more money invested in your suits than I've ever spent in my entire life. And, it, and so it started, and we just got them laughing, or Angela got them laughing. And it wound up being a phenomenal interview. But it was based off, but Larry called us. It wasn't scheduled. Right. This, the second one was the Kapler one. And, you know, Gabe was always scheduled to come on with us uh, once a week. And we had him scheduled after uh, Gene Segura didn't run. Right. McCutcheon gets hurt. And, you know, we were killing it. And he came on and started yelling at Angelo and Angelo started. And that was, I will tell you, that was the most uncomfortable. We were down at the Brigada. I'll never forget. And I'm, you know me, Kevin, I transcribe every interview because yeah, you do. I'm the one who cut, I'm the one who cuts up the tape and I type hundred plus words a minute. It's my one superpower. Um, so I'm transcribing it and I'm like, okay, yeah, I got to type that. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to need that cut. Um, so it, those were the two that I remember uh, that got, you know, but that, that's kind of our rule. If you're an invited guest, um, you should expect that we're going to be respectful. We will ask if there's a tough question, but we will be respectful. I, I believe that I'm owed people that when I, I get mad at Angelo, sometimes, you know, this Kevin, he'll yell at you. Yeah. He gets mad at you because you don't agree with him. And you know, but I also, else, but I, I, and I hate saying it, it's not shtick, but I mean, I also know that's part of the game when you go on that there well, are but times, I, but, I say to him, I go, Angelo, not everybody, agree. I don't agree with you half the time. Right. So, like, don't get mad at somebody. Like, have the debate on why you think that. But, um, but you know, that that's kind of just our rules, our ground rules with an invited guest is be respectful, but ask the question. Let me, let me ask you one final radio station question. Mm-hmm. Obviously, last week's biggest news was Spike, is le- Spike Eskin. Yes. Uh, the program director is leaving for WFAN. Um, and that obviously... It ch- how much does that change the dynamic at WIP, or do you n- still not know a week later how much it, it changes the dynamics? Well, I will tell you this, and I, and I said it to Spike, and listen, Spike and I, you know, argue vociferously over certain things that we do on the morning show or just direct. I mean, the day, so I, he announces it. I, I was actually upset because it's the first time I'm actually really sad that a boss is leaving because the one thing I know about Spike is, He's incredibly passionate about what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he, he works really, he's let us, a lot of the bosses we've had have tried to not let us do what we do. Um, and Angelo knows what he's doing. I mean, listen, he's been doing it for 30, 31 years, uh, doing it well. So, you know, his whole thing is help us. Don't try to hinder us. And Spike has done that. Um, and so I, you know, I said to Spike, I, I said, you know, this is the first time I'm truly, I'm actually sad that you're leaving because I think, he, listen, to get us through the pandemic, you know, all the ideas that he came up with, you know, we went, what, five, six months without, without, without sports. sports, right? 
to, you know, he came up with stuff that kept us fresh, like, you know, the goat of Broad Street and doing And we had and we went up at first. We we're like, well, this is kind of stupid. And then we got into it because we're going, well, what other choice do we have? <laughs> you know, we have nothing else to talk about. So um, so I was bummed. But I will just tell you, just me being me is I told him how sad I was. He was leaving. I you know, I'm um, I'm bummed that he's gone. And then the next day I got into a fight with him about something. So, you okay. know, <laughs> back to business as usual. Uh, but I mean, you guys, does do you think it if impacts anything with the show at this point? Well, I mean, it, it all depends on who comes in. I mean, you know, right. new bosses always change things. So, you know, you, you have no idea. What I know is we have the support of David Yagdorov, who's the president. Okay. Um, he was there when Spike made the announcement. And David's always been good to us. Always, again, lets us do it. You know, David Field you know, our CEO, right. one of the reasons he bought, and he's told us this, that he bought the company, you know, from CBS is he grew up listening to WIP and he loves it. Okay. So, um, so we know we have their support. So, you know, I, I listen, I, I love doing it. I don't want to stop, but like I said, uh, 25 years and I still get excited about going to work every day. Mike, do you ever think Rhea, I mean, obviously, Angelo's got to leave at some point. And mm -hmm. we, we don't know when it's going to be. Yeah. It could be a lot further down the line than maybe we think. But do you think the show can survive? Like, and I know this is a tough question to ask, because you probably don't. But, like, with you guys, maybe with a different leader, or do you think it might just have to, for whatever reasons, just take a totally different kind of look? Or do you ever allow yourself to even think that way? Or are you just going to say, hey, when it happens, we'll deal with it? I tell Angela all the time, Vin Scully worked till he was like 89 yeah. and that'll get Clark through college. <laughs> I said, work with me here. Work with me here. Listen, it's going to be almost impossible. He's, you know, he's so good at what he does. Like he drives me nuts, but I will tell you at 6am when that, when I click my mic on every morning, I know I'm going to have fun. It's going to be create Like it's going to be creative. So I, I, you know, I don't know, Mike. I mean, it's, he's an institution. I mean, he yeah, is. He, he is like, Al said him, it best. That's what he is. We've been riding in the sidecar for a long time. Um, cool. And, and, and I, and I've always said, I'm grateful to him for that because, you know, 20, you know, people think women in the meat in sports media is, is it's no big deal because, and I love it. I love that every time I turn on ESPN or NBA or any of that MLB network, you know, there's women everywhere. When I was doing it, Mike and Kevin, you know, this 25 yeah. years ago, there were times I was the only female there. Me and Donna McQuillan. That was it. Yeah and, yeah. and honestly, I remember it was, I think it was, was it Chris Gamble before you? Chris Gamble. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, that was, but that was like, Max Vieira was reduced to being yeah, a traffic yeah. a traffic reporter. You yeah. you and Chris were the only quote unquote sports people. And Donna McQuillan, the late Donna McQuillan. Yeah. Yep. That was in this market. And that was before television really got going. Leslie obviously came in at that point. Yeah. I think Jenna Wolf came in at that point. But and, and when you look at it now, do you think it's more, you know, this is a strange question. I'll ask, yeah. but you look at what's happened at, you know, the, the major station, uh, you know, in sports radio, you know, you have Natalie over on 97.5. Yep. You got, and I, you. And you know, Natalie started with us and I'm, I'm incredibly proud of her. I really am. Right. Every day I see her, you know, doing her thing. And I, I actually shot her a text message a couple months ago. You know, some guy went after her. Right. And I forget what her response was, but I was so proud of her. I sent her a text message. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, I, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Go, go ahead, go ahead. No, oh, I just said, I just sent her a text message and I said, I said, Natalie, I, I go, I could not have been as smart 
and funny and witty in my response because you guys know me. I would have brought the gloves out and started fighting. And she killed him with her response. And I thought it was brilliant. I was really proud of her. Please tell me why. See, this is what I lose because I'm an old man, I guess. (laughs) Why would somebody go after Natalie? You know, because. What is the point? You know, it was it was just she had tweeted out something, her opinion on something, which she's completely entitled to. Sure. And this guy, I, I remember he was an HR guy. I, if I'm trying to remember the context. Was, and this may have been about a report. I think this was a report she had. Maybe it was on the Wentz stuff or something. Or, or It could have been. And, yeah. and she, you know, she wound up being right on. Yeah. And uh, and he's like, you know, but he said something like, I'm an HR and that would be a lot of my business. And it was, she was just like, and. He kind of went after her, and she's like, "Well, what you just did wouldn't be allowed in HR in your own company." And I, I just thought it was a brilliant response, so I was, I was quite proud of her. I, I, I think people but, just oh, got to get over a lot right. of shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, really, really. Mike, like, listen. Want- you know why I'm lucky? I didn't have to deal with that stuff like the mm. first 15 years. It, Mike, if I had to deal with Twitter and Facebook and social media the first 15 yeah. years of my career. I don't know if I would have survived. It, it well, just seems to me, and Kevin's a lot more obviously in the. Oh, Kevin! Media. You know, Kevin. Kevin takes and, punches and, I, and delivers and I, them. Yeah. I have told him about this, but he, but okay, I get it. But I don't the listen. World yes, is I know. Nuttier and nuttier and yes. nuttier, <laughs> and a lot of it is because of social media. Yeah. Yet people don't. They say, "Well, yeah, we know." And but, I yeah. don't, yeah, I, I don't get the butt. Well, yeah. Let me, let me go back. Do you think the state of the industry, though, for women? is strong in this market? Well, in this market, um, well, I know we lost Kristen Rogers and right. I thought she did a really nice job. Um, mm. And I guess she's from, I didn't know she was from California. Yeah, she's from San she Francisco. Yeah. Um, and I know that the woman that they've hired to replace from her, Redding. I believe went right. to Temple. So I'm very excited about that. Right. Um, uh, you know, um, you know, Comcast had a lot of, you know, look, Amy Fadul, is a right. survivor and you know Taryn Rod- there's nobody Taryn who knows too. next right. to like Mike Kern and and uh, Dick who's like she knows college whatever we need college basketball I go to Amy oh yeah, um, oh, yeah. you know Leslie was there they had D Lynham I mean they they were great at it too so you know Jamie Apo- I mean look what Jamie Apote's done at Channel 6 yeah I mean yeah. you know she's she's been there forever and, and she's been there forever and raising three little boys I mean I see her postings and I'm like God bless you you are able to do this job and do it great she gets great exclusives, and she has three little boys. I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know how she does it. I'm impressed with her. I, 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 the reason I ask that is because, though, the, the attrition, you mentioned Leslie and and D. I yeah. mean, Comcast has cut back, obviously, and you cut know back. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's putting well, it kindly. I, yeah, I mean, and I'm not, I wouldn't go down that road because of the yeah. fact you used to work there, obviously. I, listen, I, and, I, and I loved working there. I, you know, I did the, I did my midday show. I used right. to fill in, you know, um, the show I, I would fill in for all the time with uh, with Gunner right. and Ruben Frank, I thought was a great show. Like, I'm disappointed at what happened there because, you know, they were must-see TV. Daily News Live, I, I never, ever missed it. I mean, I had to be really doing something important to miss that show. So, And I heard um, it was, so, long, yeah, I heard it was on that. longer than MASH. Longer What's than that? MASH. I heard it was on longer than MASH from somebody. It was. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Let me let me let me get into the actual games themselves. Sure. Uh, how much are you guys looking forward to the Sixer run coming up? Just to keep uh, conversation going in um, the summer. Know, I'll tell. Yeah. Well. The, yeah. The converse because listen, we all remember two thousand and one, mm-hmm. and and how. It, but it was the buildup. I mean, it was how they started out the season. 
how it went along. I mean, I remember, and I mentioned this on the air yesterday, I mentioned on Monday with Angela, I said, a friend and I got together at the carousel in the, in Sea Isle, maybe early July, and we're sitting there, and I looked at him and I said, I'm exhausted. Yeah. I go, that Sixers run, two game sevens, the way they end it, yeah. you know, the, uh, the Lakers series. I go, I need a month to recover from the Sixers playoffs. That's how amazing it was. I don't feel it yet, but that's just because, listen, that's what the NBA did to us this year. Not, they haven't played against anybody. So what I'm really looking forward to is NBA teams actually playing their stars against other NBA teams. That's what I'm, I'm excited about. It. And the thing is that the expectations for them are if they don't win these first two series in five games against you know, Indiana. I, you know, I don't feel that way. To me, it's just they got to get to the Eastern Conference. Yep. I, I don't yeah, care how they do it. Yep. They've got to get to the Eastern Conference. And listen. Yeah. Who doesn't love a seven-game series as long as your team wins it? Yeah, that's <laughs> you know true. You, you can keep it going, but uh, to me, it's they just got to get to the conference. I, I, I'd like, I'd like to see a sustained um, uh, run of competitive basketball. <laughs> that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, Mike, what made? What, I remember what made 2001, and I don't know what our expectations were. I know they were the number one seed. Yeah. I don't know if it was as cut and dried as this year us saying they got to get to the Eastern Conference because they shouldn't lose it. I don't, I don't remember. But Mike, what I remember games, most about it, and I and you right. know Billy King does a show with us, and I bring it up to him all the time. I'm I'm still angry about it as I am that the Phillies let the St. Louis Cardinals in that year. I said to Billy, I actually asked him on the air one time. I said, the Billy, home, the home court advantage. The home court. I said, I yeah. was furious you rested. And I think it was against the yeah. Chicago Bulls. Yep. This is stuff that my brain remembers. And I said, I was furious. You coughed up home court advantage. So to me, yeah. I keep going back as competitive as the Sixers were in those first two games, mm-hmm. and they won one. Right. If those games are at home, that's a completely different story. So I, I do yeah. remember I was really upset that they, uh, that they load managed. You know, that's back in 2001 before it was a thing. They load managed the last game, and in my mind, I'll never get over that. I'm I trying to remember. Championship. I'm trying to remember why Larry didn't think getting the home court could be a big deal. Like I, like because now, oh, you know what? We, that's yeah. all we'd be talking about. Yeah, you know what? I I will have to add next time. Well, Billy, Billy unfortunately called into us that Billy had uh, had neck surgery, like pretty right. in, intense neck surgery. He's still in a brace uh, for two more weeks, so. Um, hopefully we'll have him back for the playoffs, but I will ask him that question. Like why? Like, cause I said to him, I said, do you think that made a difference? And I think he said, probably, you know, like grudgingly, cause I asked him, um, but I'll ask him why. Cause I, you know, I've never asked the why I just asked, you know, but I just told him it was fu- stupid. <laughs> it's funny. What made the, that run. And like, I know, I understand what Kevin's saying in a perfect world. You should win these first two series in five, maybe sure. six games, let's say. But the thing that made 2001 was those two game sevens. I mean, because then it was like, yeah, that's what we played all year for. Yeah, was that and the the way uh, Toronto ended with with what's his name with Carter shot up from the corner, and then the Bucks in Game Five with Robinson missing that close shot. Um, and And how about how about Vince Carter going to going to his college graduation? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it was just that's what made that was that it that it did go seven, and we were hosting the game. But I think I think also that there's so much concern about Embiid's health. Sure. Mm-hmm. That if they play seven game series in the first two rounds, oh yeah, I think no, there's a wear down factor in here yeah. too. That's a good point. Yeah, they might play six, maybe yeah. in a bad case scenario. They better not be going to game seven with the Knicks. Yeah. 
Uh, let me. They a- play good. They play good defense. Let me ask you, who's got the most yeah. on the line on the, for for that franchise right now? For the Sixers, yeah, Ben Simmons. It's not yep. close. I don't think. I think if they. I think if they don't make it to. Uh, here's my scenario: If they don't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and he does not play well, like uh, say um, he's invisible offensively in the second half of the of a game seven, as you envision a game seven. Right. Uh, I don't think he's here next year. That's just my belief. I don't. I I, I believe that. I also but what, think. But at I that also, point, guys, like, what would he be then? Like, we were talking about trading him maybe for Harden yeah. five months ago, right? Oh yeah. And I get it. They would have had to throw more in, but it was basically yeah. Simmons for Harden. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, if if Simmons does what you just said, Rhea, and then the Sixers turn around and say, okay, we're going to go in another direction, who's going to give you what for Ben Simmons? Because I don't think he's the kind of guy. That a team like an in Indiana or a Chicago is going to build their franchise around. I think he fits here nicely because of Embiid. Well, but how about like for an expiring contract? Yeah, uh, I, I get Mike, it. Mike, we'll find out if what they're always telling us outside of Philadelphia that we're all crazy to complain about him. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, seriously, because listen, I listen. Does he play great defense? Yes. I just, I, I don't, I don't need him to shoot jumpers. You know what I want him to do in the second half? Be aggressive with the ball. Going yeah, to the exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I'll live with that. So, you know, I just, he can't, he can't leave Embiid as the only option. And, you know, and Tobias Harris has got to, has got, got to show up. And I, I think, uh, you know, he's, he did not, you know, in the playoff slash, I mean, uh, you know, they were, they were a train wreck, you know, because of obviously being in the bubble, it was a mess, but, you know, he's got to show up, um, but, yeah, I think I think it's Ben Simmons. I think that's that's where this uh, narrative will go if they do not make the. the only, I think if they make the Eastern Conference and they lose to the Nets, I think a lot of people think there's um, what's the famous line in, in Miracle? There's no shame in losing to this team, right? You well, know, because they're that stacked. I'll say the one other person that has pressure in my mind, and this is just an opinion, is Doc. Uh, and, and yeah, he was great for this different year. reasons, though, because I think I think generally people here. Like I mean, look, Embiid had a near MVP season, right? And um, and but there was all, there but, was no, you know, the stuff that that Brett used to say after games. I yeah. was proud of them, and a lot. Like I, I don't think it'll be as much here. He may feel it outside the NBA because of you know what he's done before, but and I that, think people I think people generally like him as a coach. Yeah, here. I think but, the only way Doc Kevin faces a problem. Is if they blow a three run one like if they're up three to one? Oh, absolutely. You're, you're, yeah, that's and, you're and right because the, then that's let's say the Nets, yeah, yeah sure. let's say they're up three one and the Nets in the Bucks or whoever it is forces a game seven. Yeah, all the pressure in the world. Oh, you're absolutely will be on right. Doc Rivers. Yeah, yeah. Now you're right. That, that yeah. Well, there you go. Mike just answered your question for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me let me switch it to the Phillies. Um, I, look, Gene Segura has become a running uh, a running subject over the last three years. You know, yes. going back to when he got here. Yep. How disappointed were you in the way Joe Girardi handled everything on Sunday with the Segura topic? And how disappointed I, I, are well, you with Joe Girardi, period? Well, listen, I, I've been saying it was funny. I started saying it a couple of weeks ago to Angelo. Like, you know, I come in every morning, I, sit, I pour my coffee and we chat for a couple mm-hmm. minutes before I go in and start typing updates. And I know I started saying it maybe... Three, three weeks ago, however long the season is, and I said, I, I said, listen, you know, you, you are a Yankees fan. Still, still is. I, I, I tease him all the time. I said, so you know Joe Girardi really well. I said, I get he doesn't have a cheater. You know, he doesn't have Mariano. I go, I, I'm not impressed yet. I go, I'm wait, I, I go, I throw last year out. It, yeah, last year was crazy for everybody. Um, but I said, I'm not that impressed. 
But I will say on Sunday, I blame Dombrowski for Sunday. Yeah. They, you know, and, and we had Jim Salisbury on. And I, I said it was, you know, before Jim came on, I said it was malpractice or malfeasance to not have a bench where you're going to your $300 million player and you're, you got him out there swinging for the fences with a bad shoulder. I thought it was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. You're almost better put Vince, you were almost better put Vince Velasquez in right field and just. That, that, we said the, the same thing. He's got a gun for an arm. And yeah. I said, um, so I, I think there were a lot of things going on there. I think um, that Joe Girardi was frustrated with how they were playing, obviously, very sloppy. You know, a lot of errors from the night before he was mad about it. And I think it boiled over when he looks at his bench, he's got nobody. And then, you know, Gene, you know, tries to get too cute. And Gene apparently is a guy, you know, listen, I kind of relate it to where I work. Um, Angelo can say anything to me, and he has over 25 years. He can yell at me all day long. And I just, I yell right back at him, and I continue on doing my job. There are certain people you work with who can't be yelled at like that. And, And they don't handle it well, and they pout. And uh, they, you know, they react like Gene Segura. You got to know your players. Listen, I don't blame him for yelling at Gene, but you also got to know your guys that you maybe Joe Girardi is not naive. He's been in baseball a long time. TVs are in the dugout. And if you're going to get into a screening match with a player, it's going to be on TV. So, you know, uh, that's it's as much on Gene for being pouty and not coming over when Joe came out to, you know, take take Chase Anderson out. Um, but you know Joe's the leader there. He's got to he's got to be a little smarter about it. And he's got to handle the the post game better because he created an extra story for a couple of days. If he just says, All, yeah, and I thank him for that. I appreciate it. Oh, I understand. Um, but <laughs> but uh, what he's got to do is just say, listen, heat of the moment. You come out and you go, heat of the moment. We're battling. We're trying to fight. I'm mad that he missed the ball. He's mad he missed the ball. We started yelling at each other. Happens every day in baseball. Happens every day in every walk of life. People get mad at what you're doing at work. And they yell at you. But the way he handled it, yeah, he made it big. Colonel? Yeah. I'm wondering. I like I don't think the Phillies can win the World Series. No. But I think when I look at the division, I'm sitting there yep. saying, okay, they can win this division. I mean, yeah. the, the, the Braves are hurting. Yep. The Mets are hurting. So doesn't Dombrowski and I know have to do something. A, yeah, they're not <laughs> trading from a wealth of their minor league. Yeah. I get it. But and I'm not saying you try to make that, but don't you have to make a couple moves to say to Girardi, we got a team that can win 88 games yeah. and, and at least maybe get to the playoffs for the first time in 10 years. He, I, I think. I mean, listen, when he came here, number one, I was shocked. Number two, I was really pleased. Um, but you know, you also know his history is he'll trade away the whole minor league system to get you know to win, but they don't have that here. So you know, he's got to get creative, and that's why they hired him. Um, you know, listen, you know, I, I'm sitting watching and they're like, well, Oduble, you know, his batting average is creeping up. You know, Oduble is what he is, regardless of what he did off the field, which, you know, it makes it really obviously hard to root for him. But, you know, he's not somebody you can count on and they've got nothing else. Um, you know, if, if Kingery and, and Moniak have been able to do anything, you imagine what good shape this team would be in. Right. Um, but they've, they've got to, you know, they've got to get another starting pitcher and, and a center fielder at the, at the least. And didn't two outfielders just get traded in the last couple of days for like yeah. a cup of coffee? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there there were moves out there to be made. And uh, and he's got to do something because you're right. They I don't want to hear you, you. You will now have wasted a third year of Bryce yeah. Harper's prime. And, you know, an, uh, JT or Muto is getting older. And Nola. I mean, and Nola. Yeah. yeah. Nola, Nola drives me nuts. I got to yeah, tell you. Thank you. I mean, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, I just, listen, Zach Wheeler is the ace of this team. I mean, there's no doubt about it. 
Um, even last night pitched tremendous. You know, that's what frustrates You're facing a rookie pitcher who's in his second major league game, and you got nothing going on, and Zach Wheeler is, you know, pitching his butt off. Um, you know, and, and um, Rhea, but yeah, Nola, Rhea, Nola has to get more consistent. Yes. In a big spot, I would rather have Zach Eflin on the mound than Aaron Nola. You know what? I, I might not disagree with that. I, I think he's struggled maybe a little bit in his last two games, but right. I, I like what I've seen out of him. He's tough. I, I really do. He's what tough. does that tell you about your team? If the guy that everybody thinks is, whether, you, whether he's the number one or not, he, yeah. he's had a great, a very, very good last three or four years. Sure. He's among the better pick. But now we're Until saying, September. wait a minute. Yeah, I'd rather have my number three and, than and my number big, one. That's Listen, weird. when in well, because in uh, the last two Septembers, when we yeah, didn't deliver, he has not delivered. Um, but I, ex, you know, and I have a friend who's a Mets fan, and I was chatting with him about Wheeler, and he goes, where do you see Wheeler when it gets hot? He's even yeah. better. That's what he said to me. He goes, yeah, he's like, even better. Yeah, there is record in, like, August – is, is like really, August and really September good. his yeah, August and I said, and September I said, I'll is two it. best months. <laughs> I go, I go, if you can improve upon what he's doing now, I'm, he's I'm all like, in. He's had like three games this year where he has been virtually unhittable. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's, you know what it is? Sometimes you really hate like 1 0, 2 0 games or like really low scoring, except there are certain pitchers I just yeah. love to watch, yeah. you know, and he's a guy yeah. I love to watch pitch. Uh, I imagine Angelo, if he was on this morning, would not have been happy about the idea that the Eagles are eliminating their mandatory mini camp and collapsing everything down into one camp. Uh, well, here's where where I will say I, I don't know if you read Ruben Frank's column where it was um, basically he listened to the veterans and the veterans were threatening the holdout. Well, and, yeah, I was disappointed, you know, because you do have a new coach, you, you know, regardless of whether we have we have no idea if this guy's going to be any good. But I like to know that. He started working behind the scenes, making phone calls, getting these guys in. Listen, none of these guys want to work hard on the field. But if you can get them in and they can meet him and start to understand, that's, I mean, that's a huge thing. You got to, you got to, you got to get to know this coach. I mean, if he's going to be the guy who's going to lead them to anything this year. So I, I was happy to see that. Um, See, I, listen, I, they're never going to go back to three a days, Kevin. Oh, you really just have to. No, you have to give I, that up. <laughs> I understand that, but my yeah. my argument is, when you're four eleven and one, yeah, you know maybe you shouldn't be listening to the guys. I'm sorry, you know one because how many of these guys when Nick Sirianni, if he becomes a really good coach and this team's ready to contend again, which is two three years down the road, yeah, how many of these guys are going to still be here? Am I but real? if you can, but but here's the thing is, see, I'm one of those people who don't believe that the Eagles are only going to win four games this year. I love the signing of of, Kerry, of Ryan Kerrigan. I, I was thrilled with that. I, to me, if, if they if they get Stephen Nelson, I feel so much better. Um, I feel I'm pleased that they're coming. I, I feel completely different about it. I, I think that this guy could bring some energy to a team with, that you're not without with eleven though, are you? Oh no no no, I'm around nine. I'm around I'm around eight or nine. Okay. But okay. if they and get if they, if they get the cornerback, yeah, if they I get the cornerback, I'd feel a little bit better. You know, yeah. I I remember Mike, I'm watching that last game like everybody else was, the game against Washington. And I yeah. conceded a loss before it ever started. And I remember I'm talking to a friend of mine, we're watching the game. And I went around late in the second, I go, Oh my God, this kid that's a would people always forget about that Washington? Washington has an extremely good defense. Yeah. Yes, they do. That kid was playing well. I mean, it, yeah, did he miss a couple people? Did he miss a guy in the end zone? Sure he did. I mean, he was still a lot better than the guy I watched for most of the season. But I literally said towards the end of the second quarter, I said, oh, my God, the Eagles are going to win this game. 
And I feel, you know, did I care about the draft pick at that point? No, I didn't. I'm glad it turned into Devontae Smith. But yeah. I said to myself, I said, they're going to win this game, and this is going to make me feel so much better about this quarterback. Because well, that's a really good defense. If they had the ninth pick, they still would have got Devontae Smith. They still, exactly. Well, there you go. Yeah, see, I, see they could have done that. Um, but they would have. So, you know, I, I felt like he, you know, was he perfect in that game? No, but people forget that's really good defense he was going against. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I do know one thing about Nick Sirianni. He's better than, I think, he's better than the guy in Detroit. I'll give him that. Oh, my like, God. Can I tell you, I rarely play sound <laughs> in an update from other coaches, unless they're playing uh, the Eagles or playing, God. you know, a Philadelphia team. I walk in the other day and Wechter goes, "Where you got to hear the sound from Dan Campbell. And I already know he's a loop, you know. Right. So he plays it for me. He goes, I want a live lion on the sidelines. And I went, I, I literally, I, I stopped what I was doing. I turned around. I go, oh, oh, please rewind that. and Let me hear that from the beginning. Because I was like, yeah, whatever, whatever. I wound up playing an update, and what I wrote in the update was, we gave Nick Sirianni, I didn't. I actually thought the rock, paper, scissors thing was fun. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was not, you know, I got to do a better job. I, you know, I had 14 years of Andy Reid. So the, sure. the rock, paper, scissors, I found fun. But this guy with the live line, and I want him to go out and take a dump in the middle of people sitting in the stands. And I went, this guy, and, and I'm going, Nick Sirianni got roasted nationwide for rock, paper, scissors. But the guy with the live line taking a dump in front of fans, well, like, was like, yeah, that's, that's a football coach. And I'm going, okay, whatever. I think people <laughs> in Philadelphia, and I really mean this, I don't know if Nick Sirianni can coach or not. And Me I don't neither. know if this yeah. team is good enough, you, you know, or, or is going to be good enough, in, in whatever. But can't we just give him a chance and, like, just sit back and say, okay, we didn't know anything about Andy Reid. That no. turned out okay. Chip yeah. Kelly was okay for a little bit. Until like Doug got Peterson won a Super Bowl in his second, what, third year? Yeah. Second. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just saying is this second, guy yeah. seems like a nice guy, and he seems like he has ideas. Like you said, Rhea, going out and talking to the players, whether we uh, think that's the, what he's doing is the way to go. I think but the fact that he nego to negotiate with veteran players who yeah. are trying to follow the Players Association and just blanket boycott and get them to come in, I, I don't know. That that impressed me. That, 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 you know, know what, what that I says think? to me? He can communicate. All right. What I think uh, the problem is, is we think that this is a Lori and du a Rose that they can control. Bingo. And, and I think but that's here's, why, and that may, Kevin, that may be true. But like I said, Peterson was that guy too. Now I'm not saying yeah. these guys win the super. He had a better team. Peterson yeah, and her he had a better, a better team. team. Yeah. What I'm just saying is if that's the only thing I have against this guy, well, yeah. okay, let, let him prove that he can't coach. Here's what I here's what I will say because listen did, when he was first hired Kevin did I completely oh the Eagles just hired their lap dog sure yeah from listening to this guy the first I throw out the first news conference number one he was nervous was, you know obviously you know first Zoom, news conference yeah on Zoom with a bunch of people and you know if I'm looking at you know all if I'm looking at Elliot Shore Parks I'm going well, what I got to talk to this guy you know <laughs> uh, and I love Elliot <laughs> I'm just making a joke I, Elliot knows that I'm I'm being <laughs> funny. You know, he that was I gotta better deal. when he came on. When he came on with you guys, he was better. Well, here, you know what's funny? I, I, Mike, I said this a couple people. So that was a Friday afternoon. Kevin knows this because yeah. Kevin, you text me while the news conference is going on. Yeah. And I have a simple rule, Mike. I have to do uh, Clarkson Virtual School. So I get home at ten thirty every day, ten thirty, eleven o'clock. I have to. I am the chief bottle washer. I'm the lunch lady. I'm the teacher's aide. I'm the school nurse. You know. Uh, 
principal. Friday after Friday. Yeah, exactly. Friday principal. I know I'm the assistant principal. They won't give me the principal job. <laughs> um, and so I, so, but so my one afternoon is Friday afternoons. That's where I go out to lunch. When I, once I was allowed circa, I go out to lunch and I have several cocktails. So, so Kevin actually texts me and he goes, are you watching this? And I said, Kevin, I'm taping it at home. I will watch it, you know, after I have my two glasses of wine with lunch. And, and so I think the benefit for me was I, and I'll give you a little inside to how Angelo and I work. I went home and I watched it and then Angelo emailed me and he said, Oh my God. And I said, Ange, I said, here's what I'm going to say. We have him on either Monday or Tuesday. And I said, I'm going to give the guy a break. It was his first time. He's a new coach. He's 39 years old. I said, let's see how he is with us. And, and I thought he was better. He was still a little nervous because, you know, he's, you know, coming on with two, a bunch of crazy people. Thought he was much better. And I thought, I think each time he's spoken, he's gotten better. Um, And I don't get the sense that, you know, that when a guy gets handed a job in the NFL, if he spectacularly fails, he doesn't get that opportunity again. So my hope is that he gets this job. He's, you know, working, you know, obviously as energetic as he is, that if Lurie and, and Howie come to him and go, well, this is better if we do this, they fight some on it. Because mm-hmm. this is his opportunity. Yeah. They, they don't come very often in the NFL. So I don't think he's going to roll over for them. Just it's the sense I get from just everything I've, every interview I've seen with him, everything I've written about him. I just don't get that sense. I still don't know if he's going to be a good coach. I don't get the sense that he's going to roll over for them. Yeah. And that'll be fascinating because if, yeah. he, if he doesn't, I, I, you know, look, we saw this with Doug. When Doug started yeah. to put when in Doug backup, said no, he was done. He was done. <laughs> and, and, and that's with a win. I give him credit for it. He's like, I want a Super Bowl for you guys. Like, you know, yeah. but listen, none of us wanted the assistance back that Doug wanted to be. So I like, yeah. I keep going back to that. I like Doug. I think he was likable. He was good to us, you know, but I didn't want any of those guys. Well, back. Rhea, so, I, I mean, in that respect, I was with Jeff Lurie going, yeah, I didn't want these guys back either. Ray, I think what's I, scary. I still think the greatest thing was when they beat Green Bay yeah. that year, went to Green Bay, yes. won a game. That yes. nobody thought they could No win. one. Craig and the James. owner goes up to him afterwards. Complains. Like, if I was Doug, I might have quit at that point. I yeah. might have said, Coach, Je- I mean, Jeff, great. Yeah. We shouldn't have ran the ball here. The team's your- yeah. That was the stupidest thing I've ever heard through all of this stuff. Mike, it was so dumb. I went back and looked at the game story. Carson Wentz threw three touchdown passes. Yeah, if right. you are a quarterback who goes into Green Bay on a Thursday night against Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. and throws three touchdown passes and your team wins, if the owner complains, I yeah, you should just quit on the spot. And, and Green Bay <laughs> did, as I recall, have the have, because Mike Pettin was the D coordinator. I think they had like the second worst rushing defense in the NFL. Yeah. yeah. And and listen, and the Eagles did run, I believe, though, like 150 yards. They had Jordan yeah. Howard and yeah. I can't remember who else they had. Um but well, they did run the ball a lot. Yes, but he they did. also was, threw. Was that, was that sometimes Sanders? Sometimes if you run, yeah, I forget. But sometimes if you run the ball a lot, it opens up you to throw touchdown passes to open people. I don't know much about football, but that's just me. When uh, here's the thing, though, and, and by the way, on the Doug thing, Doug, yeah, the idea that Doug didn't get a sniff this year after he got let go, yeah, can, is kind of baffling. It kind of does show that Doug's. Reputation well, it was late, with though, wasn't it, Kevin? It wasn't super they, late. Yeah, I, I, I also think that Doug didn't want to coach. That's the yeah. feeling I got. I yeah, think he yeah. got a feeling that he wanted to take a year off. But yeah, there yeah. wasn't. 
you know, but, but I also think the trend in the NFL outside of, you know, a few cases like Bruce Arians, which listen, I've never been a Tom Brady fan, but I rooted hard for Tampa Bay because I wanted Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is, you know, is one of the reasons I am a diehard Temple football fan. Yep. I, you know, uh, he made us relevant for a very brief period. I've always, I've always, I've always liked him because of that. So, um, but the, the trend is to hire young guys, you know, and, and Doug's, you know, what's Doug 55. I mean, that's young to me. Doug may, Doug, <laughs> but, Doug may end up doing television at some point. I mean, I hate saying he's not a yeah. great personality, but I can, he knows enough about the game that he could break yeah. it down and, and yeah. simplify it. I thought that's one thing that came through. He's getting paid a lot of money to sit. He in bought a big boat and he's good. down in Florida. Uh-huh. I, I, I ain't mad at him. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, really? Fine. It never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside. Come inside. Our thanks to Rhea Hughes for joining us. Rhea had to, uh, well, we had a little technical issue. So the end of our interview with Rhea. You had a little technical issue. I had a little technical issue. Uh, for the second straight week, Mike, I had a snafu. Last week it was power. This week it's internet. I, Kevin, I, look, all I know is the five minutes or so, because I, I kind of knew you weren't on anymore. And I think at some point then she, but it was some of the best stuff you had. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know what that means. I have no idea. The the um, quality of the questions went up probably. So there were no questions. We just kind of R- uh, ripped on me. Crap. Yeah. Eh. Um. But thanks to Ray for joining us. Uh. It, it you know it's always good to get another viewpoint, and Ray gives an interesting viewpoint that I think you know from experience. You know we we you know twenty five years in that biz. Can you imagine waking up? For four, you know, for four thirty report time or whatever it is, you know, for twenty five years. Mm, it, yeah, I'm I'm more of a night person. Yeah, same here. Although I, I become a day person now, I get up very early, uh, relatively early because the dog gets me. I mean, I can't sleep. Well, I mean, I wake up at six with her, and then I sometimes I go back to sleep. So, but it's just, I mean. It was when when I left the Daily News, Kevin, and I sat there and thought 38 years. And it would have been more had the situation been different. But that's a different business. Mm -hmm. It's not the getting up at, like you said, 3 in the morning. I know Bobby Cooney talks about that all the time. I'll listen to their show on the Fanatics sometimes. and I worked with Bob for years. I don't know if I could get used to that. I mean, going to bed at, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you got to go to bed by like 8 o'clock. Well, and that's what's made Angelo so remarkable because Angelo's hours are... But he likes that. He likes that. The rest of us who've covered sports all our lives, we're seeing bed at one thirty, two o'clock in the morning as opposed to getting I, up I, at 2, two o'clock I in the morning. Yeah, um, it was um, the... I promised somebody I wouldn't say um. Somebody told me I say um too much, so I apologize in advance. It's just the way I talk. Um, there I go. I said it again. The... Our lives were largely revolved around things that happened between seven and nine o'clock at night. Yeah. Nine o'clock at night, give or take. Then after you wrote your story or did what you did. Yeah, to decompress. You got home, there was the adrenaline kind of thing going mm-hmm. on. So you really didn't get to bed till one or two. And how that affected you the next day, I don't know, because sometimes you were getting up the next day. If you were the Phillies guy, Kevin, like you were, you were going to the ballpark again. 
Yeah, I, I would get up. Do the same thing. On an average night, I would come home and I would fall asleep about 2, 2.30 in the morning. And I would get up about 11, 11.30. And it's, you know, and I'm back out the door at 2 o'clock. But see, you were lucky enough to, to some people can't do that. I know there was a lot of times where I would still get up maybe at 9 o'clock. Right. Because maybe I had to be somewhere or maybe I just woke up or maybe I was going to work out. Whatever the thing might be. Maybe I had an interview the next day at noon. Uh, Philly's, you're more regimented because you knew sure. I got to be at the ballpark at 3 o'clock, whatever time the match. Well, would and Sundays, I, I'll tell you right now, Sundays were always the toughest because sure. you're recovering, a, odds are you were covering a Saturday night game. Sure. You would get home about 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, and then you had to be at the ballpark at 10 a.m. So, Crazy thing about working at the Daily News for many, many, many years no, was Saturdays. did not have a Sunday paper. Yeah. Even though I would go to a lot of Saturday events, I just mm. that was me, colleges, whatever. But you had that built-in day off that the Inquirer guys didn't have, yeah, or you didn't have, or a lot of people. Oh, no, I had a built-in day. Mine was Friday. Oh, that's right. We that's didn't right. have a Saturday, right? And Terry Tui's the Delaware paper, I think, was the same thing, right? Right. Right. I've forgotten about that. Yeah, you are correct. I mean, we had, a Saturday, we had a Saturday for like five years, and then we realized nobody bought a Saturday mm-hmm. paper. Like, I always remember Mike Jensen, or people that would cover an Olympics, and maybe it, was, it wasn't Mike, but people who covered the Olympics for the Inquirer basically worked like three straight weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like us during the NCAA tournament, right? All, but even more intense than that, because they were work and, and I thought, wow, at least the Daily News guy gets yeah. and then when we kind of merged with them, then we started working on Saturdays because we would do internet stuff or or you know, we would do whatever. Uh and it did it did change. It I mean it, it did make your life a little bit different. But I wasn't a pro beat writer where I where I you know, if I worked on a Saturday covering a football game, let's say, I might have had Sunday off. Right. Or or I might have just been doing my notes column on Sunday or rap or whatever I was doing. But yeah, that, that I don't know if somebody said to me, Mike, for for the next twenty five years that you that's you, you know, you're getting up at three, mm-hmm. and, and you got to be ready to go. It's I mean, you know, you got to be sharp at six in the morning. Yeah, you can't be yawning. And, you got you got to be funny. You know, I can tell you right now, I did a couple weeks ago when the Phillies and Mets played the Sunday night game. I give I did that game for AP, and I got home about twelve thirty one o'clock in the morning. Okay. And it started at seven. It was one of those games that went to eleven, and you get home. But you were at the ballpark before, for that, right? I was there. They were limiting how long you could be there, so it was oh, like, okay. I, I was there about four thirty, five o'clock. You would have been there about three o'clock. Three o'clock. Okay. Uh, and now that that's getting waived this week uh, because of all the restrictions getting lifted. But right. I mean, I had to be up for six fifteen to go to school the next day, that's and true. that was a that was a tough morning. That Kevin, was there was a time when I started, I was a clerk at the Daily News. Uh-huh. I was a part-time clerk, okay? They were, I was kind of breaking in. And I taught school. I was a substitute teacher for a year, mm-hmm. uh, working all in District 8 in Philadelphia, Northeast Philadelphia. And then I got a full-time gig from February to the end of the school year, June. Um, one of the school, I said it again. God, the, the, the reader was right. I do say it too many times. <laughs> But no, I, it's just the way I talk, and I apologize. I don't mean to be that way. The they used to uh, call me, and if I was working, because I never knew when I was working at the Daily News. Yeah, I might be off right. for three weeks. Then I'd fill in for somebody. I would work until five in the morning sometimes, five or 
I'm trying to remember what time my shift ended. I think it was supposed to end at like six or seven, but they would let you go at five or five thirty if there was nothing left to do. Right. I would go home. No sleep. I would get a call from the district office. Hey, Mike, we need you to go to Fells. You know, whatever. Sure. Go, go to Fells. Mm-hmm. Do my mm-hmm. thing. Come home at like three thirty. Try to get the yeah, ID. Do whatever. Try to get three hours sleep, maybe. And then go to the Daily News at night, at like for a shift that might have started at 9 or 11. And I was 20 years old, 22 years old. I could do that for a while. But to do that like all the time, after a while. And then like I'm sure when Rhea goes in, they have meetings, right? They're going to yeah. discuss what they're talking about. And But when that button hits at 6 o'clock, you got to be sharp. I mean, you got to be... There's no warm-up pitches. No. And and that's the, the really tough part, I think, is you got to be as sharp at 6.15 as, as you are at 9.45. And then they have a meeting usually after the show, which goes over yeah. what they want for the next day and all that. But, I mean, Angela, this is one of the brilliant parts. I've been down there with Big Daddy. Um, Angelo comes in about 3.30, and Angelo is ready to go. He is fired up, and he is everything is ready, and show is prepped, and he's he's – it's a remarkable operation. You I, don't yeah. last as long as Angelo has without being that yeah. way. And I'm sure that John Kincaid yep. brings much the same thing. We had him on last week, and that's kind of what he was saying. Yep. Thank you, by the way, to everybody who has reached out uh, about our interviews the last couple of weeks. Uh, we appreciate it. It was some good stuff. Rhea, again, was great today. Kincaid was great last week. Obviously, That's all you, man. Um. And we're working on somebody special for next week as well. And I'll leave it at that because it's not confirmed. Uh, but we're hoping to get somebody really good next week uh, in addition to who we've had. We want to make it four in a row after uh, uh, we've had this. So, all right, let's get on. Um, let's talk the Sixers. Obviously, they're going to play either the Wizards or the Pacers, depending on who wins tomorrow night. Um, I'd rather play the Pacers. I would, too. Um but you're, you know, you were saying it, it doesn't. It, it, they have to get to the East final. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, they, they, there's no failure is not an option to get there at this point. You no, failure, say, failure will result in probably Ben Simmons being on the trading block, which is never a good thing, no. regardless of what you think of Ben. And the window, because of Tobias's age, you know, probably and, is, Embi- and 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 Embiid's health. health you know, isn't all that. I'm just a little surprised, Kevin, and I've heard people talk about this on the radio a little bit. Uh, um, uh, Anthony was talking about it. Why aren't people in this town more, like, getting excited? And, and you know me. I'm one of those last people. Uh, I, I'm not going to get real excited until it, it goes further along. Right. But let's face it. We haven't had a run in a long time. This team is going to make a run. Yeah, they're going to be playing basketball for for maybe into late minutes. June or early July. Yeah, they're going to. They should. They should. Like I said, Barney, they should be in the Eastern Conference Finals. There's a fifty fifty chance at that point. I think that they could be in the finals, and yet you really don't feel it. I don't feel it. I don't know if it's because of this play in situation. I don't know, but this town should be starting to go a little bit nuts. You're the number one seed in the East, which you haven't been in 20 years, and it was 20. It was almost 20 years before that. 
And both those times, you won the championship one year and you got to the finals, finals the, other. the other year. And the Sixers are one of probably six, seven teams that you could legitimately say. And I'm, the Lakers, yeah, I know. I, I guess you got to throw the Lakers in there. But, you know, Clippers, Lakers, Utah. Phoenix. Um, Phoenix. Milwaukee. I don't, think, I don't think Denver. No, but Milwaukee. Milwaukee, New, New Jersey, and, and the Sixers. Right. That's it. I don't think if any other team besides those teams, maybe Miami, maybe no, 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 no. If Miami wins, it's a huge upset. I don't care if they went to the finals this year; it's a sixth seed. And I know they have a, a really good coach. They have Jimmy Butler. I, I get all that, and they create matchup problems for the Sixers. They're probably not going to play the Sixers, um, but if they do, whatever. So I think that this town just—there has to be kind of. And maybe it'll be after they win I was the first just, round. I was just going to say, think. I'm wondering if it's because it's the first round. It's tough getting fired up. But if you're the one seed. I think people just think that this team is going to the Eastern Conference Final. And I think like, that's um, part of it. Yeah, I agree. It's And it's like a month. I got So you're telling me for the next month, I got to get excited about playing Indiana or the Wiz or the, or the Knicks. And or I the Hawks. They, they haven't played the Knicks in the playoffs since 89. Yeah. The Knicks have done a great job this year. Thibodeau's done a, a great job. They would be a tougher series. I, I would love to see them play the Hawks. I don't think there's any way the Hawks. The Hawks might win a game, maybe, with Trey Young. Yeah. But the Hawks aren't going to beat them up. No. The Knicks will take something out of you. And, and honestly, that's why, like, if you play the Pacers, it'll be a short series. If you play the Wizards, it, you could go six. You could go the, six against yeah, the Wizards. The Wizards could, could win a game or two because of Beal yeah. and Westbrook. Well, although Beal, and I don't know how. He although they have no matchup for Embiid. They have no matchup for Embiid inside. So I don't. But, you know. but Beal still says his, his quad is, is not. Did he play well last night? Actually, Westbrook was awful last night. Okay. Well, I can't get know. it. Can you get into the playing tournament? No, I don't care about that. I mean, the only thing I would even care about a little is that the Lakers are playing Golden State. But again. I, I, and this is going to, the, the NBA is never going to get rid of this. No, no, this it's, is, it's this around is forever for good. and forever yeah. and forever. I wasn't a big fan when the NCAA put the, the, the four other teams in. I just thought that was kind of stupid. I get what they're doing, but I always felt that those teams didn't really feel like they were in the tournament, which I didn't think was fair. When you looked at the Charlotte Hornets last night, losing by 35. Yeah, after everybody on ESPN picked them, picked uh, the other team. Picked Indiana. I mean, pick, no, pick Charlotte. I mean, right. everybody picked Charlotte well, I because mean, Indiana was all injured. And, and you know, there was the, there's just no there was no fire in that. There was no you know they were that plane was revving. I mean, that, you got to remember, Kevin, you're playing basically for the right to get skewered. Yeah. Unless you're the Lakers. If you're the Lakers, I, I get it. Nobody wants to play the Lakers if they're healthy. If they're not healthy, who? Yeah, they're the Lakers. Nobody probably wants to play Steph. But Steph isn't going to win four games by himself right. against a quality, quality team. I, I don't think. All right. That's just me. So all these other teams, like the Indianas of the world and the Wiz of the world, they, they know they're not winning. I mean, how many times does an eight beat a one? And that was always in a best of three. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, is somebody uh, beating the Nets? Is the team that finishes seventh, you know, going to take the Nets out? Well, the team that finished seventh is Boston, and that's what I was going to ask you. I don't we, think Boston's taking the net. We out. know three of these series, 
So I'm going to give you the series. You tell me. Wait a minute. Is Boston clinched the set? Yeah, I Boston, guess they have. Boston is the clinch. seven. I got you. Okay. So it's Boston and the Nets. They ain't beating the Nets. Are they winning a game? I don't care. It, it like like I I don't understand why people get into that. The Nets will win that series. Okay. So do I care if Boston wins a game or wins two games? I think Tatum's good enough that maybe, but they don't have um what's his name smart uh, Brown's out well, Brown or Brown is, is done too. So I'm not sure. So if Kemba and and uh the other guy uh. The, the yeah. new guy, the real good guy. If they if they go nuts one game, but the Nets have three guys who can go nuts. So now it's going to be the Nets and the Bucks. Well, my, maybe well, Miami. I was just going to say Miami, 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 and uh, Milwaukee. I would still take the Bucks, okay. although I think that could be like would that would that shock me if Miami beat the Bucks? No. Boy, I'll tell you what. Milwaukee's long series. Milwaukee's no. Milwaukee's potential road to the final. If they get to the final, um Milwaukee's road of Miami, probably Brooklyn, probably Philly. Boy, you you earned it. Tip of the hat if if Giannis but gets see, there. I think that works two ways, Kevin. I think sometimes when you play tougher opponents. And look, what the Lakers did last year in the bubble, they were beating everybody in five. Right. So, yeah, you're playing less games. There's less wear and tear. I get all that. And I would like the Sixers to win four and four or yeah, whatever. Right. But there is something to be said, I think, if you play a tougher opponent. Yeah, get you ready. Step up your game a little bit. As long as you don't go seven. Like, if the Bucks went seven and then went seven against the Nets and then we're playing the Sixers, you'd have to think at some point that might take some kind of a toll. Uh, we saw that with the with the Sixers in two thousand one. Yeah. They went two game sevens. They went out to LA and won game one. Yeah, and almost won game two. And then they were just they were so beat up at that point. I don't think they would have beat the Lakers anyway, even if they'd been full health. But it might have went six or seven. Yeah. So you know uh, that's why Sixers. You're not in this position very often. Yeah. This is why it is so important for them to ride this for all it's worth. If they lose to the next. Nets or the Bucks in a long series in in the Eastern Conference Finals. You're not going to be happy, but, but you can maybe at least accept it. Yeah. I but agree. I think at this point, I think they have a 50% chance to get to the finals. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the way I have to look at it. And I think if they get to the finals, I'll deal with it then. But why couldn't they beat any of those teams? That's a good point. I don't know. I mean, I, I think the West... Look. West is wide open. I'll tell you what. If the Lakers win the night, that Lakers-Phoenix series is oh, going to yeah. be a war. It's going to be a war. Phoenix, I still think Phoenix doesn't have enough scars yet, but I do like their point guard. I think he's in the MVP Paul. conversation. He won't win it. But I think they're still like kind of... They haven't been through the wars enough. A little bit. Yeah, but I the Lakers, I don't know what I don't know what LeBron's ankle is going to let him do. No, I don't you know, know what 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 Davis's shoulder is going to do. I now, for, I don't think they're that deep. The season, for a large part of the season, Utah was the best team. Yeah, they have not played the best the last month or so. They've had some injuries, as most teams do. The Clippers, I don't know what to make of the Clippers. I think the Clippers. I, really are, I think actually the Clippers are the best team in the West. But that's me. they may be. They, they 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 very well may be. I will tell you this right now. 
If I could sign up for a Sixers-Clippers final, would that be something else? That would be, think about this. You have Tyrone Liu, you know, who Iverson stepped over 20 years ago, coaching the team that Doc Rivers left. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the guy who beat the Sixers two years ago mm-hmm. with the last second shot. I mean, that series, I, if I'm the NBA, I know they're rooting for the Nets because you want your three big guys to get on that stage and probably to play LeBron. That's that's probably what you're rooting for, I guess, if, if you're David, uh, not David Stern. Adam Silver. Uh, yeah. But, boy, from from my standpoint, Sixers Clippers would be – that would be something Yeah, else. and you know what? I think the Clippers – I mean, the Clippers are going to get the Mavericks. I think they should dispatch the Mavericks fairly easily. Um, Doncic might win a game or two. Yeah. Right. He I'm, does goofy stuff. Yeah, the team to watch is Portland because I, I like Portland over Denver. And I think because of the Jamal Murray injury, I think Denver is very vulnerable. I know Jokic is going to be the MVP, but um, I just think Portland can only go so far. That's yeah, my, that's my thought on Portland. Well, and and that's why that's why the Phoenix Lakers thing could be very interesting if the Lakers win the night, um, because whoever wins that plays the winner of Portland Denver. Portland is vulnerable against teams like the Lakers. I, you know, I think every, I think every team is vulnerable against the Lakers if their two guys are healthy. 100%. And like you just said, we're not sure about LeBron, but an 80% LeBron still better than, you know, 99% of players in the league. Um, There, I said it. I said it again. That guy's right. <laughs> I, I think now if Golden State wins tonight, what does that do? That means Golden well, State is uh, in? Golden State would be the seven. The Lakers would be playing for the eight against the winner of Memphis, San Antonio. San Antonio, oh, well, they, by the way, would, is two and eight in their last ten. San Antonio, they would, they would win that. The San Antonio will never win anything again. It's, they had a great, great, great run, no doubt about it. Pop, but pops, pops, time's in. almost over. Yeah, it, it, they're never going. It's, it's like Golden State. These people who think Golden State miraculously will get Clay Thompson back next year at, at what we don't know. What, what he'll be. He was great when he played. Right. Golden State hit the jackpot. They should have won five titles in a row. Yeah. They really should have, mm-hmm. um, given the circumstances. But, but th- you know, that's what happens. You, ha- you, have a, you have a window. You have – and Golden State made the most of it. They won three titles. Yep. That's tremendous. It, it is interesting. Golden State won six in a row coming down the stretch. The Lakers won five in a row. Mm-hmm. So, they're and both – the game's in L.A., right? Yeah. I mean, I think, I but, think but also State, the Lakers have won the three games between those two teams. The Lakers have won by an average of 19 points a game. I think the line was five and a half. Yeah. If it, I'll tell you what I might play in that game is the over. I don't even know what the over-under is. Maybe the number's too high. I mean, I mean, the only thing with it would be, it sounds strange to say, but like, are we because you, I don't know if you classify this as like playoff basketball? It I is mean, playoff basketball because uh, if you lose, you might go home. Over under is two nineteen. Well, if you lose, you're not going you home. Go home. You're, yeah, you're, you're going to the, the next game that may send. You if you home. win, you know you're still playing. Yeah. If you lose, you're still playing, but it could be one game. I think in, whoever loses this game will win that game against the San Antonios or the Memphis. Yeah, I I do. I think that the the thing is. Who you got to tell me who on LA is guarding Steph? 
Normally, I would say LeBron, but I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. And you can guard Steph, and he can still still score, score 40. By the way, three games against the Lakers this year, Steph only has a total of nine threes. Yeah, and he hasn't been all his life the greatest playoff performer. I, I know yeah. that's a little bit of a knock. No, but, but Clay, Clay was better than him. Yeah. Well, Durant was Durant. Was Durant. Right. But and that but Thompson, mean that but Thompson had better Thompson yeah. had better playoff performances than than. And I'm current. not trying to mean Steph stunk. No, I, I but but you're anymore. right. Statistically, at least, maybe um, he's due. Maybe maybe he's due for one of those games. Uh, I would think one of the problems for Golden State or anybody are you going to stop Davis? Is he's going to score 35? Because I don't know what they got. That's you know, is Draymond? I don't think Draymond's guarding Davis. Right. Um, so that's LeBron, is, LeBron becomes a facilitator where maybe he only scores 20, but ends up with the 13, 14 assists and the 10 rebounds and all that kind of stuff. That is the NBA story before we move out of basketball. But I'll be rooting for, I don't have any, I'm a LeBron guy. Don't get me wrong. No, but I'm rooting for Golden State because I think this Steph story, what he's done this year has just been like off the charts. Yeah. yeah, it has, especially he's not a young guy anymore. No, he's not. Uh, a a congratulations is in order to Jay Wright, who was named uh, to the Basketball Hall of Fame's class of 2021. He'll be inducted. Can I, can I confess to you? Yeah. I knew that was happening three months ago. Somebody, actually, I can say now, Dick Girardi told me I, when the weekend of the Final Four was going on, I asked him about it. I just said, you know, they, they're not going to make the announcement for, for or they push back, but he said Jay's in. Yeah, how he knew I I don't know because Dick knows everybody. Maybe Dana knew. I don't know who knew, but so I kind of knew it was a done deal, and then I'd forgotten about it because I didn't know when they were going to make the announcement. It, it makes perfect sense. He's he's the only thing in Jay's mind. Having spoken to Jay enough about this kind of stuff is Raleigh. Is Raleigh? He will feel bad, not bad, but. His contention probably be that Raleigh should be in there. My contention always was if the Hall of Fame had a heart or thought about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's a reason a guy should get in. If you don't think Raleigh should be in the Hall of Fame, that's fine. I, I, I can make the argument that he should be. I, I can make both arguments. I think what happened at Cleveland State douses a lot of it. Don't, don't judge him on Cleveland State. Please, please, people, don't do that. Don't judge him for how he left Nova. Judge him for what he did, and then what he did at Northwood, which was phenomenal too. But nobody knows because it was an NAIA school. Right. He got to the championship game, I believe, twice, and came that close to becoming the only coach ever to win an NCAA championship and NAI. Now Jay has obviously surpassed him in what Jay has accomplished. Right, and it's, I, I think what, the I think the thing with Jay and Jay on on the call on Sunday night, um, he was almost speechless for the first time I can ever remember. Jay had mentioned about the fact that, you know, he felt he was getting in because of Villanova. And he felt that the Villanova name, because of how good the coaches have always been at Nova. And he he mentioned Jack Kraft. He mentioned, you know, Al Severance. Severance. He mentioned Steve Lapis, who who he replaced. Steve was not like a horrible coach, as most people would kind of have you believe. He he had a little bit of bad luck. Maybe he wasn't the greatest coach. He never lived down Old Dominion. Never. It was, see, to me, it wasn't the old Dominion. That happens. It was the Louisville and Cal games the yeah. next two years 
when he had NBA players on his team and couldn't get past the second round. The, fact, the old Dominion game was a fluke that happened because they won the they won the Big East that year and they for were, the first time. And they were zapped. And it was a triple overtime. Yeah. You know, I mean, the next two years he lost to Cal and the tight end. Who, uh, uh, the guy who Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez. And then they lost to Louisville yeah. in three, two, three, six games. They should have won at least one of those games. Yeah. That's all. But then he got screwed with that Miami call in 99 that kept him out of the tournament where they, they ruled it a three-point shot if, it, if they had instant replay. But, yeah, Steve Steve's a good guy. Jay did not get in because of Villanova. Jay got in because he's won two national titles. And Jay that, got that, in because the Villanova brand was improved by Jay. Like he Jay, won two national titles at right. the South, he would get in. Right. It's, it's, this is a Jay Wright thing. The, yeah. And, and, yeah. And the one thing, and I think the testament, and this doesn't figure into the Hall of Fame's thinking, but in, I think, the Philadelphia mindset, Jay made Villanova, I don't want to say popular, but acceptable in a lot of almost everybody's mind because there was bad feelings about Roley. Sure, there was. And there and was. He gets it. And, he gets it. Yeah. And there was bad feelings about what happened with the Big Five. Yes. Even though it wasn't all Tem- uh, Villanova's fault, yeah, there it was- wasn't all Villanova's fault. Temple was a was a willing a, participant. Yes, was a willing participant in the fact that they wanted to play home court games. Right. So yeah, that, that, then that's okay. And, and Steve, and one of the problems Steve had was Steve came across. He looked like a whiner. I don't think he was, but I he looked that role. And I also I, think he was attached to Raleigh. Right. He, and whereas Jay, even though he was. Sort of wasn't, and remember this, Kevin. Jay is smooth. Jay's told this story many times. Going into his fourth season, if he doesn't make the tournament that year, he probably gets fired. He might have. And I talked to Vince, the cat, the cat who was the AD then. Yep. Years after, not at that time. Yeah. And Vince said, "Look, Vince is now working for the NCAA." But go ahead. We probably would have had, yeah, would have. He had not made the tournament his first three years. He had that one great recruiting class, and the best kid got hurt, the center. And then Jay had the year in 205 where they made the Sweet 16, lost that controversial game to Carolina. Carolina goes on one side. And then the next year they made the final. Eight. Well, they lost even, to Florida in the Elite Eight. But that 2004-05 season mm-hmm. might have saved his job. And then there was a time after in 2011 and 12 when they had that horrible season in 2012. And, they, and people then were saying, I, I know a lot of people were coming to me, hey, you know, maybe Jay's not the guy anymore. He, I, I, we don't like the way he plays through his guards. He doesn't, you know, the whole shit. And, the 2016. Whole now, going every in, basketball team on the planet now plays through their guards. Right. Limited players are what the game is about. And Jay saw that 15 years ago. Mike, we saw it in 2016. I mean, we talked yeah. about it a little bit that if he yeah. had lost to Iowa. Or if he had lost... Oh, the, he wasn't going to get fired, though. No, but, but life would have become very difficult for Jay. If they would have lost to Iowa, yes. Because you can't lose three straight years in the second round. Second round, right. That is correct. You you are... And then when they lost the next year in the second round, he still had the title. But it would have meant so much to Jay Wright. I'm telling you, his heart... If, if, the, if, the, NC, if the Hall of Fame said, we're putting Rolly Massimino in... You're going in together. Yeah, I am telling you, it would put Jay Wright on cloud fifty nine. Yeah, it would, but it's not going to happen. Obviously, 
He will mention Raleigh, I know, in his, and Raleigh may get in someday. Maybe he won't. I, I don't have a crystal ball. But here's, a, I think, something we should start considering. Jay's 59. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to coach five more. It's obvious he does, he's not going to leave. Right. That's pretty obvious. Is he going to coach five years? Is he going to coach ten years? I can't see Jay coaching like Shashevsky, but who knows? Maybe he will. Let's say for the sake of argument, and he may not, but let's say he wins another title, gets the three. That's I've, one more than Dean Smith. Yeah. That ties him with Bobby Knight. Ties him with Roy Williams. Ties it. No, doesn't Roy have four? Roy has three. No, Roy has three. Okay. So think about that. In the whole hierarchy, Adolf Rupp has four, I believe. Shashevsky has, has five. Six. Is, it five. Is it six? Five. Okay, five. Jay Wright, let's say he gets two more, which I don't think he, he – I mean, I can't sit here and say Jay Wright's going to win two more national titles, but who knows? He could, yeah. or he could make runs at titles. So that puts him in the all-time – and even if he doesn't win another title, let's say he's just at Nova for another seven, eight years, and they have their usual 25-win, 30-win seasons, whatever the heck they're doing. They're getting to the tournament every once in a while. They make a, a run. Maybe he gets to another Final Four. I mean, he's going to go down as one of the all timers. Mike, Mike, if let's say he goes, let's say he goes seven years, eight years. Okay, he's right. north of six hundred wins right now. Right, another seven, eight, eight years. He's up near nine hundred at that point. Right. I mean. But he ain't going to catch catch Shashevsky. He's not catching Shashevsky. He's not going to catch uh, Bayheim. Right. Um, Roy, I think, was nine oh five. He could pass Roy. I think one of the things is when you're close to someone, Kevin. Like like we're close, right? In Phil, I'm talking about Philadelphia. I don't mean me and you, but we're we're close. You tend not to think like that. Like we tend to think more along the fact that they lost three times in the second round, right? When and I said, okay, so here's my choice. And by the way, the fact that he got that team this year without Gillespie and all that, and I know there was upsets that occurred that helped pave the way, but the fact he got to the Sweet 16 this year with that team was pretty impressive. I had a Villanova guy who texted me all the He was disappointed the way it ended. I said, dude, you lost the national champion. They gave, they were beating Baylor. They gave Baylor the best game of the bunch. Like 12 minutes to go, I think. They were up. Or tied. Yeah. And then they turned the ball over five straight times because Baylor figured out, hey, they ain't quick. <laughs> we we can kind of out-quick them and go to the basket. And that, Jay. And he didn't have his point guard. What's that? And he didn't have his point guard. He didn't have, have a Gillespie. And even if they had. All I'm saying is people are always going to be critical. There's always going to be. I'm not saying Jay is, is God's gift to coaching. I don't mean it that way. Oh, and there's but, some but, there's some games we've watched that we went, oh, what the? If you, know. you look at the last eight years, let's say since since Ryan's sophomore year, we'll right. start with Ryan's sophomore year when they lost look the UConn. At their record, tell me who's been better in college basketball. I'm not even sure Duke's been better. I'm not sure Kansas has been better. I'm not sure Carolina's been better. Well, they win the tiebreaker on Kansas because they beat them twice in the. Tournament. Well, I'm, I'm just saying is. He, he was a number one or two seed like five times. Yeah. I mean, the only one record-wise that could be close, and this sounds strange, is Gonzaga, but Gonzaga doesn't have the trophy. No, and they've only been to two Final Fours. Fours. Jay, Jay won oh. two Final 
I, I get I and and Gonzaga is going to start off the season number one next year. But you know who's starting off the season number three? Villanova. Villanova. Right behind number three in the early in the early whatever, because he's getting now. Look, Gillespie might not be fully. Who knows what's going to happen? But he has put Villanova, and he's not getting the top ten recruits or the top. He gets once. Yeah, Jalen Brunson obviously was a great recruit who I don't think would have went there if his father had gotten the job at Temple. It's a whole other story. Jalen went there. Other people, Spellman was a pretty high recruit. Uh, so he's gotten Josh. High Josh Hart was a decent recruit, right? The kid that's Robinson Earl was looked like he was going to Kansas. Pretty good recruit. But what I'm saying is he's not getting the third best player yeah. in the country. And the more impressive but, thing is you end up with Archidiacono and, uh, and uh, Gillespie and all these I guys. I never thought in my in my wildest dreams, Divincenzo Archie, Archie would be that good. No, I knew he'd be good. I never thought Colin Gillespie would be this good. I didn't. I never did. I didn't think Divincenzo would be this good. Did you? I, I didn't know Divincenzo. So, and the first time I saw him vertical leap like forty inches, I said, Ugh. "You know what?" Maybe. And don't take this the wrong way. He doesn't play white. <laughs> you know, like I saw him go up the one time. And I'm like, what is that? Oh, he's from Delaware. Josh Hart. Josh Hart was like the 70, number 75 recruit in the country. Him and Chris Jenkins were both about the same. Yeah. Josh Hart was a national player of the year candidate yeah. as a senior who's now in the NBA. I mean, how many Villanova players are in the NBA? Yeah. And I'm not saying they're stars. I don't mean it that way, but there's got to be like seven or eight of them. Archie Diakon has made a pretty decent career coming off the bench for the Bulls. Jalen Brunson made some is never going to be a star in the NBA, yeah. but he's playing. Yeah. Okay, Pascal's in the NBA. Spellman was there. I don't know. Josh Hart. A chef who got a look for a while. Vincenzo is a part of Milwaukee. He's like yeah. the sixth or seventh guy, right? Yeah. So what he has done there is pretty remarkable. Is, yeah, and Raleigh did it in a different way, right? In a different era, Raleigh recruited kids from the Connecticut, and yeah. you know, uh, I don't know if Harold Jensen even plays now, no. but he sure played in that title game. Yep. So, and that was Raleigh. I I even think in some ways, Raleigh's coaching had more of a fingerprint on his teams than maybe Jay's fingerprint. Jay's fingerprint is different, right? Jay's right. fingerprint, I think, manifests itself in the fact. That his kids are ready to not what he does during a game per se, although that timeout he called against West Virginia in eighteen was one of the greatest timeouts ever yeah. in the history of basketball. But I think it's like I think Raleigh was hands on during the game. Raleigh would do things during a game that would that would kind of influence the outcome of the game. Where I think Jay's done it in practice, and that's what I think influences how his kids play in games. Um, but they're both great coaches. Yeah, they are. And and Jay will tell you. In no uncertain terms, that without Raleigh Massimino, there may not have been a Jay Wright. Yep. Let me uh, wrap this up. Uh, Philly, you haven't talked Phillies, man. Well, we talked with Raya. So, okay. you agree that that, that that this is now on Dombrowski? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I think Girardi's taking a lot of hits here, but I don't, I think that the personnel. Well, Girardi is... hasn't had the great luck. No, he ha- he hasn't. And He's had I, his moments. And, and I, I don't th- mean. Him. And I don't mean the Segura thing, and I don't. I don't think he handled Sunday well with the questions. Uh, but how would you have wanted him to answer it? He I, said very nicely the first time it was asked. I'm not going to answer that. Now I understand that the reporter has to ask a follow up. Right. 
They asked three followers. He made it very clear, I, I am not going to talk about that. So is he a bad guy for by the fourth time it gets asked? For saying, I've told you, I'm not... Like, I don't understand what you wanted him to say. What I wanted him to say was, and it, it's not creating more of a story. And that's what I think he did. I think he could have put the fire out in a different way than the well, go ahead. snarky. The answer that would have put, put it out. You know what? We're both competitors. Things got a little heated. It ended up on video. We'll take care of it. That's it. And, and there would have been a follow-up question because you know it and I know it. The reporters would not have let it go, Kevin. They wouldn't have because that's their job. They would have asked a follow-up. Well, what was the what was the exchange about? What were you upset about? Well, and it would have got to the same end point of Girardi just saying, guys, sorry, I ain't answering it. Yeah. We want coaches to be transparent and uh, managers to be transparent. I understand it. Sometimes, I'm not saying he was right or wrong or I agree, but sometimes it's their choice to say, no, well, I ain't going to talk. Um. I I guess I I think that he made a a multi day story when it could have just been a twenty four hour right. story. But we make it the story. He doesn't. Well, the way he acted made it a story. Kevin, he, the first time the question was asked, he answered it the same way he did the fourth time it was asked. No, the well, next question stuff is not the same. Well, wouldn't you get if I asked you a question once and you answered it? I'm not going to answer. Okay. It. Then I asked you again. And you said, look, I I just said, you have a baseball question? And then I asked it a third time. And then he looks at you as, and by name, because I'm sure he has respect for Salisbury, says, I'm not. And then the fourth question comes, like, at, at what point then do you want him to say, Jimmy's okay, questions okay, were okay, all yeah. in line. Jimmy's questions were, were dead. I'm at- not faulting Jimmy. What I'm saying is I'm not faulting the answers either. Okay. I, I- he has every right to say that. And when he says it four times, I I just don't understand sometimes where we come from. That's all I'm saying is, okay, I may not like the fact that you're not answering it. And the fact that you're not answering it may turn it into a, but that's your prerogative as the manager of this team to say that. That's all. But but getting to the bottom line, I don't think Joe Girardi is the biggest problem with this team. No. I, I think the roster is shoddy and i think the minor league system is atrocious so that's being and the minor league goes back the problem is you have a guy now who doesn't care about the minor league as much as he cares about i mean that's been his mo before well well, then you know what then they have to go all in and just understand you got about a two or three year window and then at that point you're going to be a 50 win team but would you wait for the trade deadline, or would you try to do? No, something? I would. I would trade something right now, but I don't know if they're going to. I don't. I don't see sure it. I don't see. I don't sure see it happening they, right now. I don't. What do they have to trade? Tell me what they have to trade. Well, uh, probably stop the the shortstop. They would McAble. Um. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're here's dealing... One of the, here's one of the weird things, I and this was on Angelo's show. One day I'm listening, and they're all saying that they're, they're rooting for Herrera to play better so they can trade Herrera, him. right. Herrera. Herrera to play better so they can trade him. I'm thinking, well, let's sit, sit, sit back here a second and think about this. So let's say a double starts playing better. He's a, yeah. So you're going to go to another team now and say, okay, hey, what? 
Adubel's playing better. Trade us your center fielder for Adubel, and the other team's going to look at you and say, huh? No, it's, it's... If I think, if you think my center fielder's better than Adubel, why am I making that trade? But they argued about it for like a half hour. It was Mitch Williams... It was. It was. There. And I'm thinking. Wait a second, people. Stop and think Mike, what you're saying here, Mike. They would have to. Adubel Herrera is not getting them what they need. I think it's going to have to be. It's going to have to be Spencer Howard. It's right. going to have to be Mick Abel. But they it's going to have to be Bryson Stott. Sure, they can. Okay. If, if you okay. believe that he's such an injury risk going forward, you try to trade if oh, okay. you still have a I market. Got you. Okay. Yeah. But here's the problem: is you so. Eloquently put it, 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 Mickey Moore or not Mickey Mordini, um, Moniak is three for twenty-eight, I think, in the Triple A, and it's pretty clear that he's out of favor. Kingery is like oh for whatever. So, these are two guys that you place, and I don't even know what Hazley's issue. So I'm not going to go with Hazley because that may be a personal issue. I have no idea. These are guys that could be helping your team. We talked about this in the offseason. If Kingery could just be a player this year. They fucked up. You're depending upon a Segura who's actually one of your best hitters right now, but you don't want. You're paying your left fielder $20 million. I like McCutcheon. I think he's a good guy. I think he's starting to play better. He's the third highest player on your team. Are you kidding me? And I understand Nebraska didn't do any of this. I, um, you know, I, I get it. I'm not sure this is fixable, but I do know that it, they have a chance if it's to not win this fixable, game. if it's not fixable, I okay. mean fixable to the degree that we no, but like but but I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say it this way: if you realize that your minor league system is crap, yeah, okay, but you still have Nola and Wheeler and and Eflin and you can piece together a division title, then you got to go sell in. You got to go sell in and and go over to luxury tax and and clear out whatever assets you, you have in the farm John system okay, and do it. Know, do you think John Middleton is willing to go over to luxury tax? Yes. For the possibility, yes, of winning the division. Yes. Okay. Then then I'm with you because I think for a team that hasn't won for the wild card, no, but for the division, yes. If the Braves were right now five games ahead of them. Nobody was injured. They look like the Braves. I, you know, I'd say okay, but or the Mets were. I mean, the Mets got like five guys on the DL, IL, whatever the hell they call it now. Right. I just think the Phillies right now have to say, "Hey, we're two get. We're a five hundred team, right? But the whole division's five hundred or worse. We have a chance because of our three starters, because of Bryce Harper in right field, unless his right shoulder is really messed up." Because of our catcher, because of whatever else you want to look at, we got to go for this. We we got to get a couple pieces in here. Whatever you think those pieces are, mm-hmm. a fourth starter, mm-hmm. a, a closer, a center fielder. I think you're kind of stuck with McCutcheon. I don't think that's going to change. And and he and he's okay. He, I mean, he is what he is. He walks a lot. Whatever. I think you have to because. I think this division, unless something really goofy happens, high 80s is probably going to win it. Yeah, I would agree. And maybe Atlanta gets good again. Like maybe, right. maybe you know, by July, all their guys are back. Or, or the, the, I don't know what's going to happen with all these teams, but right. the Phillies look to me to be as good as anyone. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
finally. Do you know what today is the anniversary of? Oh, I should know this. Let me think. It's what's the date? May what? Nineteenth. Flyers. Thirteen seconds yep. in the game. Can you hear that? Yes. It is 47 years since Stanley Cup won. Flyers uh, beating the Bruins. The May- I was in the Mayfair Diner. My shift was about to start at 5 o'clock. It happened right around 5 o'clock. Uh, it was like 5 after 5. Or right. When I-, I think that you just replaying that, that to me, and I know there's been other, that's maybe the greatest call in Philadelphia sports history. You know, it was funny because I almost put together, and I may do this for next week, I almost put together a list of like some of the great calls in Philadelphia sports history, and I would say that's Gene Hart and the Flyers. Went, and I remember the puck was behind because technically there was four was seconds on the clock. Yeah, and and I think it would have been they would have went back to the Bruins end. I think for a faceoff. Right. I think that's what it was. So the, the refs just let the the four seconds roll off the clock, and it was unreal. I mean. Because we had, I don't think people really celebrated when the Sixers won in 67 for whatever reasons. Maybe but basketball wasn't as big then. It was the West I, Coast. I, I don't, but, and 60 was, was, I, I just think 60 had happened like 14 years earlier. Mm-hmm. That call and the Flyers, we didn't think the Flyers were going to win the Stanley Cup that year. We didn't think they were going to beat the Bruins. You know, it, it, it just kind of happened. Wow. That, I, man, I'm so glad you played that because that was like, that well, was a great. If, that was a great moment. I mean, you know, if you if you put that call, um, in, in the on the list, you're right. I mean, that's up there. That's up there with uh, the Merrill's miracle, the Medellin's call. That's up there. Yeah, that's with, a championship. You're right, but that's a championship. That's up there with Harry calling uh, the strikeout Michael of Jackson, Eric, Michael Jack Schmidt's home run. Well, the the 500th home run. Yeah. That's up there. You know what's actually, it's strange. You know what? We're going to do this next week. I'm going to get a, a list. One of the great calls in Philadelphia sports history doesn't belong to Harry Callis. And it doesn't belong to Gene Hart. And it doesn't belong to Merrill Reese. It belongs, of all people, to Andy Musser. What do you, which one? Mike Schmidt's home run in Montreal oh, oh, to clinch the division it. where he, he buried it, it <laughs> is one of the all- Time. How old were you then, Kevin? I was seven. Okay, we. I remember we were at my house. There was a group of us, and that game went extra innings. That yeah. was like an eleven inning or te- whatever. And it, it was. rained that day, and that so game we was were delayed. On the TV for like eight hours, mm-hmm. and watched every pitch. Be you know because we didn't know what was going to happen. That was the game they clinched it, right? Yeah, right. Because they won Friday night. They had to win two or three in Montreal, right? And when he hit that. It was. You're right. No, you 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 are absolutely right. And it I don't is, remember the call when the Phillies beat the Astros. Uh, that was a pretty good one. Yeah, Maddox Maddox, Maddox racing over. The ball, right. And that was a pretty good one because the Phillies hadn't been to a World Series yeah. in 30 years. They and they lost in the playoffs all those times. But Gene Hart, think about this, Kevin. 47 years, right? Think about yeah. this. Bobby Clark, Bernie Perrant. Uh, to a lesser degree, Fred Shiro, but Fred, Fred, they're still our heroes. Yeah. 
Bernie and Bob, there, there aren't two bigger flyers. Yeah. Lindros maybe to a, to, to a generation. Hextall to a generation. But not to the extent of Bernie and, and no. Bernie and Bobby. No. No way. Well, because, and, and, you know, it's strange because they probably, over the course of the last 50 years, they're probably the organization that's had the best, the best ratio of chances in a sense of, you know, they had that stretch where they would make the finals every three, four years. Okay, you know, you, you, you went to the finals in 76, then you went in 80, then you went in 85, then yeah. you went in 87. They could, well, they could have won in 80. I mean, they could have won in 80. Right. They could They played their hearts out in 87. Um, yeah, that wasn't their fault. They just no, they just the greatest right. hockey team of all time. Right. Nine, then they got 97 and 10. And, you know, and there's a couple conference finals in there. They were the team that was the closest for the long time. But you're right. Yeah. That's the only era where they won it. And that's what I think but is why. It's been a half a century almost. Yeah. And those two guys, and if you put together a list of, like, Philadelphia's Mount Rushmore, yeah, or Mount Rushmore plus two Mount Rushmores, whatever, Bernie and Bobby are on it. In all likelihood, they're the two flyers. And there's been other, look, Bob, Bill Barber was a great flyer. Uh, like you said, I mean, Hal was a great flyer. There, there's been great flyers. Those two guys are still the greatest yeah. Two flyers, and I'm not sure that they're ever going to get caught anytime soon. No. And you know, and then you throw some of your Eagles in, you throw your Reggie White in, and and um, I'm sure we could come up with a couple other names here. And if you have, Mike Schmidt, obviously would be on anybody's list, and Carlton, and they were also 40 years ago. Yeah, that, that I lived through the greatest era of Philadelphia sports. Yeah. Because our teams had stunk for so long. So when I was a kid growing up, like 10, all I knew was the team stunk. They, they were bad. They were like, and then all of a sudden the Flyers were the first team that got good. And they kind of like, then got all the other teams. Yeah, as soon as the Flyers won the title, the Eagles hired Dick Vermeil. Um, the Phillies started winning division. You know, yes, we can. Dave Cash. Uh, who was the other team? The Sixers. Oh, then the yeah. Sixers got good. They got, they got George McGinnis. Then they got Julius. Well, that's str- were, that stretch yeah. from seventy four to eighty three. I'll go eighty seven because you had the yeah, Flyers. Yeah, no, you're runs. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll go eighty seven. Sure, um, the greatest stretch. If you were a Philadelphia sports fan, yeah, it was the greatest. And in like in nineteen eighty, it'll never ever ever happen again. We could be yeah. sitting here a hundred years. All four teams were in the final. Yeah, and the only the only thing close is you know what's happened this year in Tampa with. Yeah, the the lightning. Well, the lightning. Yeah, they won two championships. The lightning and the. And but the LA Bucks. also. But LA won two championships too. Right, and the and the funny part was the Rays got to the uh, finals in in the World Series. So. You're right. You're right. Um, that's yeah. very very it it that eighty and and I don't know if we appreciated it when it was happening. Yeah. Because the Sixers lost again. You know, we owe you three. The Flyers lost a really tough one to the Islanders, and they would have broken up the Islanders. The Islanders, they were like Ben Simmons this year. If the Islanders had not won, that would have been probably it. would have broken the team up, and then yep. they wound up winning the next three. Yeah. And who was the other team? The 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 Eagles. Right. The Eagles were never the same after that Super Bowl. Yeah, and until the, Buddy until Buddy came in, and then Buddy made revive the buddy, franchise. Buddy changed it, but he never won anything. No. But 
Um, all right. So next week we're, we're hoping to have a special guest. Um, and we'll obviously talk Sixers next week as well, uh, as they will be in game two of the playoffs in two weeks. Mike Silski will join me as Mr. Kern goes, uh, on a little bit of a vacation. I may call in though, just to say hi. Well, if I can do that, if it's possible. From, are you call, a, are you going to call a, from Bourbon Street? I'll have a we we don't do Bourbon Street. Bourbon Street is overrated. That that's okay. But I might have a beignet in my mouth. Uh, well, I really don't need to see that. Then. Do you know what I actually was trying to figure out? You're going to love this. The if, if we go up to visit Bernard's friends in Baton Rouge, which which by the way just got swamped by flash floods and stuff. They had a bad bad weather go through Dallas and mm-hmm. anyway. If we go up there, there is Jack in the Box on the way. So I tried to figure out if we didn't go to Baton Rouge to visit his friend, how far is the Jack in the Box? Forty-five minutes. Do you think? Do you think? I'm just saying. Do you think? No. See, I, I'm I'm like fifty-fifty. No. Part of me is like, no, that's ridiculous, and part of me is like. You know, you may not get this opportunity again anytime soon. So you might want to take advantage of it. Now, if I do drive, get Bernard to drive me 45 minutes, there was actually an outlet mall there, so the, the women could go shopping or whatever they want to do. If I drive 45 minutes, how many tacos do I have to eat to justify it? You'd have to get about 10. 10's a lot, Kevin. But I, I, tell you from I didn't say you have to eat it all in one sitting. Well, I could take them back home. I mean, they do. I have done that before. It, it They do travel. Yeah. But I would say at least six, I think, is the number. Usually I'm a four guy. I'm like a four. And then if somebody doesn't eat theirs, I, I'll eat the stray one. So it turns into five. Uh, but I think six or somewhere in that vicinity would have to, to justify it. I can't drive all the way there and get two. Of course, I would never do that anyway. But remember, when we go to Maui and we get off that plane and we're driving to our hotel because we're dead tired. The, 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 yeah, when every, are you we, going to Maui? Well, we, we go every five years. Okay. So we we went for our 25th, our 30th, our 35th. We're hoping to go in two years and our 40th if Hawaii's ever open again. But on the way, there is there is a jack in the box, and that is the we go. I I you know, I get my four six whatever, and the, the and the week is off to a to a wonderful start. God bless you. You know me very well. Yes. Do I have many vices? No, you don't drink. You don't. I mean, I do drink, but but I'm yeah, I'm not. You don't smoke. Herb. No. Okay, well that, yeah. No, I, I, I understand. I just, it's just one of those things that. That's almost like know, that's I, almost like me in Boston trying to. By the way, I walked down the uh, and literally, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to wrap this up in a, a couple minutes, but uh, we we walked from Old North Church in Boston. That's impressive, right there. What? Being at Old North Church, that's Old, pretty cool. Old North Church was very cool. Yeah. And we were walking past Paul Revere's house and all the way down the Faneuil Hall. We walked We walked about 16,000 steps, by the way. Did you see us. one light or two? I saw two. 
Okay. Um, so we we walked through basically the north end. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Now, this is where you're going to yell at me. Okay. So we did this. I'm not going to yell at you. All right. This is one. There's Italian restaurant. It would have been like Joe Giuliano's dream. You know, if Italian restaurants on both sides and all. You didn't go to White Castle, did you? No. Okay. All right. So we were supposed to have dinner at Davio's, okay, that night. Italian Steakhouse? Italian Steakhouse. Right. And um, it was our anniversary and all that. And and we had started walking. Like, we had started tourist stuff at, like, 8 a.m. And it's, like, 3 o'clock. And it's, like, 85, 80 degrees and with humidity and all that. We've walked all this spot. We go back to the hotel, and we're like, all right, we're just going to rest and everything. We didn't leave the rest of the night. We ended up canceling the reservation. <laughs> so you didn't eat? We ordered DoorDash. No. <laughs> yes, no, we did. No, no, okay, yes, no, we did. No, no, yes. No, no, Kevin, Kevin. We Kevin. ordered DoorDash. We had that a makes, restaurant that, deliver. That makes my jack-in-the-box or my White Castle. See, you're in Boston. You're in the North End. There's a hundred Italian restaurants to choose from, and every one of them is probably worthy. No, so I'm sorry. I no, you don't get special pendants on that one. No. I'll tell you what, the next time you're down Ralph's, ask Ralph if, if that's acceptable. I'll ask JD. Our buddy Ralph, uh, our buddy uh, JB, who is Oh, Joe Giuliano would shoot you. I right, Joe Giuliano would have no tolerance for that. But I'm guessing that the owner of Ralph's well, I ordered you, I ordered Italian food. I don't care. I don't you're in Boston. You want to sit in the restaurant. You want to, you know. I could barely feel my feet. Mike. <laughs> well, that's all the more reason to sit down at a nice restaurant. Well, yeah, but once you come back, and this is the, the mistake I made. The mistake is I went back to the hotel thinking, oh, I'll rest for a few hours. No, nah, nah, never works that, that way. It never nope. works that way. Where do you get to be my age? Oh. You get to, like if my wife sits down. Oh, it's over. It was over. Bess and I looked at each other. We're like, yeah, we don't feel like going out. Literally. The the not going out part is perfectly okay. And the fact that I I get where you're caught. I get the story. But all I'm saying is you get to Boston how often anymore? You're in Boston. It would be like you and I going to the garden. And for whatever reason, not going to Trey Calori. Yeah, which by you the way, looking, which by the way, I'm going to I'm going to in the middle of June. That's fine, but that would be like you would look at me and say, "Really, we're in New York, and you're not going to go get the veal parmesan that hangs over the plate like it does at Ralph's or whatever we would order up there." It really doesn't matter what we would order. I I, I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you that I understand where you're coming from, but wow, that that to me is just. What thank I would you, have thought, thank you for not asking which restaurant we ordered from. It do, doesn't matter. Yeah. What I would, uh, as long as you don't say, uh, what's what's the one, not the chain one. Tell me you didn't order from Olive Garden. No. Because because that would Joe would then that would be death. I'm gonna. S- order- I'll, I'll say it. We got Maggiano's. Well, Maggi- no, no, Maggiano's is good. Okay. I, I, Maggiano's is fine. Mm-hmm. It's just not. It's, it's not North End. I think when when we covered the PGA in 2016 up in Jersey, right. So we we were kind of not near anything, 
at night. You know, you're getting back to the hotel at 9 o'clock at night, whatever. There was a Maggiano's. There was also a Shake Shack mm-hmm. right across the street. We ended up at Maggiano's like four times. Now, I had not eaten at, Ma- eaten at Maggiano's four times in my life probably. But, but it was good. And we enjoyed it. Maybe it was because it was 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. And we were with our friends. and But the food was – and they were actually – they yeah. were running the special at the time. If you ordered a, a platter, whatever, they gave you another one That's, to take home. Yeah. So uh, we had, we had to tell the, the poor waiter, yeah, I, we can't because we got nowhere to take. And we were giving it away. We were right. saying, well, look, do these people? Do you want an extra platter? We would look at people. Here, have, have some <laughs> random strangers giving food to. By the way, well, I didn't want to waste it. By the way, so, I, I gotta admit the one other thing we had up there. There was a there's a sports bar up there called Tony C's. It's named after Tony C- Canigliaro. There you go. Okay, and it's in the Seaport District. Okay. okay, they had an appetizer that my wife and I loved. And you're gonna say, well, this is sacrilegious. It was Philly cheesesteak wontons. Man, I'll, I mean, I'll give. You, I wouldn't have probably ordered them. Especially, but I'll give you a pass. But it was so, they were so crispy, Mike. Oh, my God. They were so good. Oh. You know, it's funny. You talk about sharing food or whatever. Yeah. And maybe I'm too much of a, we were in, we were in Disney World about three years ago. My wife, my daughter. Mm -hmm. So we were in the New Orleans place. So they have like a, kind of like a, um, a cafeteria there. We go over. We got a pizza. Well, it was a bad move. And I knew it was a bad move before I got the pizza. But it was like 10 o'clock at night, whatever. The pizza comes, we're eating, and I'm like, and we ate, there was like three slices left. I knew we weren't going to eat it because I was. So I looked next to me, and there was a family. It was a woman. She had like three kids. They're sitting there. I just looked at her, we, and we, we started talking. I said, listen, do you want, you know, we, and, and she said, oh, thank you. so." And and, they, and I was a little leery at first. I'm like, I don't, and this was before COVID, obviously. Right. But that's just, maybe I'm weird like that. I, but I'm like, if they're going to throw this out, and you got three kids who don't care if the pizza is no good, here, yeah. please have it. And she's thanking me, and I'm like, no, 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 please en- en- enjoy it. And you just hope somewhere along the way somebody pays you back. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but anyway, I would have been, look- been looking for Brajol, baby. Yeah, I would have been Brajol in my future. I, it was one of those things we were going to go back, and you know, yeah. you could have eaten at the restaurant. And taking a cab back, that could have been a solution. It could have been, but... I'm just throwing it out there. But, but it was also 3 o'clock, so it was way too early for dinner. Oh, oh. Our oh. reservation was like 7.30. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, you fudged up. Yeah, we did. What are you going to do? It happens. Yep. All right, Mike. We'll see you next Wednesday. You got it, babe. Our, Take care. Our thanks to Rhea Hughes for joining us. Oh, there. Keep that on. Turn that down. Thanks to Rhea Hughes for joining us. Our thanks to you for joining us. This is Bam Work of the Beat. Well, you went uptown riding in your limousine with your fine paw 